This is Lachlan Rouston. This is Raf Freeman, and you're listening to the fittest podcast in Australia, The Mind Muscle Project. All right, Project, welcome back to this week's episode of Q&A. Uh, so, we're going to go through some pretty good questions this week. Uh, I, I reckon there's been a slight change in the theme of these questions, and we're getting a bit more diversity in terms of, uh, I guess, uh, whatever knowledge people want to pick out, pick out of our brains. So, we'll kick this off. We've got um, we've got Kimmy Kim in the house here. Uh, I don't know if that's her, her full name. Be be interesting. Kim is a last name. It's also a first name. Interesting. Maybe like Kim Kim, that's a weird thing to call your child. But, you know, it's possible that it's Kimmy Kim. It'd be weird if you got a nickname to like add the nickname in front of your regular name. Yes. So, it'd be like Lockie Lockie. To, to, <laughs> to <laughs> All right. Raffy Raff. I'm getting to the question. Okay. All right, Connie Con. Question is, best running shoe to buy. Uh, she walks around 20,000 steps a day. I think in the past, her shoes have just fallen apart. So, she wants some a good running shoe. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a there's a difference here between a running shoe and a walking shoe. So if you're if you want a running shoe, then that's for doing twenty thousand steps. That's a different a different need to a really good running shoe. So I'm going to assume that she meant a really good shoe to do twenty thousand steps a day. Otherwise, she wouldn't have said I'm going to walk twenty thousand steps a day. So I think if you want a shoe that you're going to be doing that many steps in, you kind of need a good shoe. <laughs> Don't you think so? Just keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Well, that's what I thought. I think you want like a pretty resilient shoe here. Yeah. I actually don't mind a shoe like what you got on now, Raph. Like I've not worn the Metcon, but if I'm walking a lot, I don't know if I want heaps of support, to be honest. If I'm, when I go for long walks, I'm wearing like a van. The reason being is because the impact is fairly low, right? And it's an opportunity for me to like make my feet stronger. Mm. And so that's where I'm going to go for a flat shoe without a lot of cushion. Now, 20,000 steps, if you come from you know, like a, a running shoe and you go down to like a van and you try and do 20,000 steps, you're going to probably like hurt your feet, mm. right? Because you're not used to it. But you can build up to it. But I'd say like end game stuff here, you're looking for a flat resilient shoe like a van that I'd go for. Definitely not the easy foam runners um, that Connor's got on now that look like whale skulls. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> if you did 20,000 steps in that a day. Do you, would they would they manage 20,000 steps, those things? Yeah. They're... No, but it's more that would you imagine, like, could you take the abuse you would get from bystanders <laughs> walking around the street all day in that? That's that's the real question. He's dropped his head. You have, what's, the name, what's the name of the shoe, Connor? They're called Yeezy Foam Runners. For yeah. people that are listening, they know them. Google they're that. They're outrageous. So just, they look like a dolphin just skeleton. Just pause, pause, um, pause this podcast and... Uh, look that up. Yeah, go just go look at Yeezy Foam Runner and just decide for yourself if you actually wear these on your feet. Um, confidence <laughs> and, then, and then when you decide what the fuck is this actually a shoe is or is this a joke then um you can let connor know on his instagram so i feel like i answered the question pretty well if you want to go something a little bit more resilient when a van which is honestly pretty hard to go part the van has to be one of the most resilient shoes mankind has ever created mm. like they'll survive it'll be like <laughs> the, they're like the german car of shoes no german cars aren't that resilient no Volkswagen's. they're like the toyota no, oh, Japanese better than Germany. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, what you want, right, is you want... Well, so Russia's going to launch a nukes in probably the next few weeks. When that is, what's going to be left over when the aliens land? They'll have vans and kettlebells. That's all will be left on this planet. And, and crocodiles and cockroaches. Yeah. So, uh, I think I, I can't go past the van for that many steps, but I'd obviously build into it. Yeah. I think the, the point of walking is you want to you want to train your feet in walking. I think so. Because you don't really train your cardio. The main thing you really do is train your feet. Train your calves yeah. in particular. So, like, basically... High cushioning running shoe is like really probably the worst thing you could get. Yeah. If you, if you want to walk, 
And and you actually get a lot out of it. If you do like 20,000 steps in a pretty minimal shoe and you have like weak feet, it's like training. It is, yeah. No. And your calves are like destroyed the next yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's how you want to get the most out of this walking is like basically as minimal as you can. And yes, vans last forever. Mm. Why not also give the best running shoe? Because they asked. Uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to go for the best looking shoe first. And so like that rules out the hockers and the Sokonis and... Hawkers? Uh, what the fuck is that? Hawkers, like, I don't know, some trash. Like, and people love them. And, like, some of our clients wear them, but guys, I mean, that's not for me. Some of our quite fashionable clients wear them. I think they're just really comfortable. Yeah. I think they're also a very wide shoe. So people with wide feet like them. And Nike's obviously a very narrow shoe. But I'll also add to that that there are some other horrendous, like, on running. I ripped them before a few times. Adidas have some pretty horrendous running shoes. At the end of the day, it's Nike or die when it comes to running for me. And it's just like, any variation from the Kipchoge, which is like the Alpha Zoom Fly Beta, whatever they call them, and then the other mm. other versions of that that cost from four hundred down to two hundred or whatever. Anything in that range is is honestly pretty good from Nike. Um, the one I ran the marathon in, which I guess you could say argue is like probably the the the, the best shoe. I can't remember what it's called. Zoom Zoom. No, but that was the best shoe for racing. They meant they're like bro, ra- race, this, racing shoes. Nah, bro, it's the same thing. Bro, no, but that, that's got the um. What's it got? The yeah, it's got the metal plate. Metal plate, right? Yeah. Makes you run faster. Yeah, but it's not ideal for like if you want to go trail running and do all different things. No, it's not running, for trail right? running. No. It's like for, for like flat on the road. Yeah. yeah. For road running. Most people yeah. road run though. Yeah. Trail I don't run trails, so I can't speak for trails. Yeah. But um what are you what are you running? ASICs. I run a new balance. New because balance. I I think for I mean, obviously, um Lost giving you the look side, but I do <clears> think <throat> for me for running, uh it's because you get so many injuries. I've had more injuries running as well, like with my feet and my shins. Finding a shoe that works well and like doesn't get you injured is critical. And I think because my feet are wider than the average, I find the Nikes like are always too narrow for me. And they always end up giving me blisters. And like the worst ever was uh, Under Armour. Remember when we got oh, shoes yeah. from Under Armour? Yeah, oh my yeah. God. Like instant injury, instant blisters. Yeah, right. So I think if you have wider feet um, and particularly flatter feet, you got to mess around, find some different ones. My new balance have been awesome. And the guy did recommend it for my type of feet. So, uh, I think if you have like better, more narrow feet, the Nikes work well. But if you have wider feet, you might need to look elsewhere. Mm. Interesting. Second question. Cool. This comes from uh, Leonsine underscore PT. How do you propose negotiating more money when you don't pay rent as a personal trainer? Um, They've got some clarification here. Uh, Their rate is based on how many clients they have um, and you have the most clients, but they feel as though they're making more money for the company than themselves. Oh, I get it. So the company's paying their money for all the clients they're training. It's not like a rent-based model. Seems to be. Yeah. Which is the traditional fitness first model, right? Which is... No, the reverse. Fitness first is you pay rent. Yeah. And you make money off clients. That's this, what I said. This person doesn't pay rent. That's yeah, what I said. The opposite. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I said. What did you say? No, I said, yeah, that what she's doing is the opposite to the fitness yeah. first model. Yeah, it's the opposite. Yeah. Cool. All right. Now, now we're back on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think that... You know, this is like you're an employee. Right? This is the model that you've invested in. This is how it works. What what I think uh, personal trainers don't understand about business owners, which, you know, they're on the, like, if you haven't been on the other side, I mean, attended, this, this sort of thing comes up, I find, when there's not a lot of transparency between the employees and the business owner, which because we have a lot of transparency when uh, with the locker room team, they know the numbers, they know profitabilities, they know targets, they know where the business is at, they know the health of the business. Um, they know like 
that they're we're paying them a lot of money we're giving them like a really really great opportunity and salary um and a lot of benefits and you know we're building an amazing brand and culture and it will go a lot further i think in this sort of case with most businesses there's usually a wall right and the wall just feels like i'm doing all this work and not making enough money you know because they i know they pay you 100 and you pay me what 40 whereas but what you have to realize is that 60 is is critical they're paying you they're probably paying you they, i could be wrong but they're, usually they're paying you pretty fairly you know, like there's, you know, people's interpretation of fair exists on a spectrum. But if they if they overpaid you, that would mean like the equipment and the facilities and the marketing wouldn't be as good, which means you don't get as many clients. Your clients are complaining about equipment breaking. Uh, there's, you know, maybe backend stuff. Admin work's not running as smoothly. It's not like they're just taking all that money and just giving it to themselves. That would be stupid. They'd sink their business. What they're doing is they're reinvesting in that business, in that gym to grow it and make it better, to have more opportunities for you in the future, hopefully to be like, hey, great job as a PT. Would you like to do some sales on the side, earn more money? Would you like to help us build out the marketing plan and the branding? Would you like to do content for us, stuff that we can pay you for? So it's like, it's not just like instantly in their pocket. And I think that's a misunderstanding that a lot of people have between the business owner and the employees. And that's just like, that's normal. That just happens. And I think business owners can mitigate that by having more transparency with the numbers and how the business operates between them and all their employees. Yeah, I mean, but that is true. But Lean probably doesn't care. She probably just wants to make more money, <laughs> which I totally sympathize with. I mean, it's funny because we're the business owners. So we're always trying to make more money for the business. But I do understand. I mean, really the goal of the employee is to make more money from the employer. Not in like a negative way, but I guess become more valuable to the employer so you can make more money. Uh, and uh, to give you something actionable here, probably what I would do, because I'm the one who pays these bills, what I would do is I would do a tiered system. So I would go back to your boss and I would say, okay, um, you know, really fair, really generous offer you've given me. I would say, hey, can I accept that up until this many clients or this much money per week? If I get more than that, can I have this cut and make it a way better cut for yourself? And then another tier above that. And if I go all the way to here, can I make this much? Because usually... Business owners trying to protect the downside. They've got a certain amount of money. They've got bills to pay. But they know, hey, if you can over-deliver, yeah, I'm like more willing to be more generous with that money. Because then you're in the realm of like profit and money they can be more generous with. That first bit of money that they're relying on every month to like pay all the things Lockie just said, rent and stuff like that, then, you know, we're just not going to be too generous with changing that up. Because they got bills to pay next month. So I would come back to them with a tiered system or her with a tiered system and, and try and get a more generous cut on the top end of how much money you bring in. Yeah, the best way to go about it is to um, provide as much value as possible, really. To, to give, like, because, you know, you can say, hey, pay me this much when I do this. Because, mm. you know, the business can, if it's a good business, does have some room to move. But it's like, okay, but, but why? Yeah. Like, what, what are you going to give me in exchange for that, you know? And a, a great way to do that is to start doing it already without pay, you know? And be like, look, I can do this. I can do a really good job. I'm doing this, but I need to get paid more. And here's proof that I've been doing well. Obviously, just don't do that indefinitely because then the owner will just be like, cool, they're doing all this extra work for nothing. But just say, hey, for the last couple of weeks, you know, I've been in X, Y, Z, I don't know, whatever, cleaning the gym floor more, helping out with this other person's clients, maybe providing more programming ideas or something, right? And it's like a bit of a taste to the owner. It's like, hey, this is actually what I can do and provide more value here. How can you? How can we work together to compensate me for this? And I have this skill set because, you know, as the people, you know, in charge of other people, we want to see them reach their full potential. I want to see everyone on the team reach their full potential and grow and learn new skills and be more and more valuable to the company. 
because that's just going to give them just a greater career down the track, whether it's with us or whether it's with someone else. It's just building them up more. You don't want someone to just come in and work for you and just not get any better and just tick the box every day. You want people to grow and evolve and change and get better. That's the fun part about business is watching people's skill sets grow and evolve. Like when Connor Mm -hmm. came in, he was just like, doing a bit of graphic design, fixing up some logos for us, posting some stuff on social media. Like the shit he does now is like way more next level than what he probably thought he could do. And that's what you want to get out of your guys. You want to get the most guys and girls, right? You want to get the most out of them and see them grow. And that's like the evolution. And that's 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 why we do it. Bit of a side tangent, but um, next question. Cool. Next one is from uh, Aussie Protein Reviews. Uh, is there anything inherently bad about artificial sweeteners? Uh, do they have any side effects apart from the GI discomfort? Well, it's inherently bad how addictive they are. I love them. They're obviously very, very successful type of sweetener, artificial sweeteners. I think it's just because you don't have any processed food in your life. So, the only joy you bring to your mouth is Coke Zero. Joy, bro. Coffee is the number one joy I bring to my mouth from a true. drinks perspective. And then Coke Zero is well, that's probably like a second or third behind it. Uh, anything in... Wait, what's second? Sorry? If it's third, what's second? Milk? Oh, what's the second drink? Yeah, well, coffee number one. You said second or third. So, there's obviously another drink floating around in the mix. What oh, it'd it? be alcohol. Oh, fuck. It's way, way better than, than Coke Zero. <laughs> this, guy, sure. this guy's turned into an alcoholic overnight. That's no, shit. Drink. He's, he's ripping ginger beers. Well, like, okay. If I'm going to be have... in the studio. Oh, that's fantastic. Like a wine or something on a Thursday. Yeah, it's better than a Coke Zero. On a Thursday night. Wow. I've, I've been left behind here. I'm a loser. I don't drink at all. It's crazy. You will, you will when you get children. Yeah, that's what it is. I don't have the stress. Yeah. I don't have the need. Uh, inherently bad. Look, I'm not a scientist on this, but usually this stuff is like so overblown. I don't know why people have it out against artificial sweeteners so much. Like people hate them so much. The one that's definitely not true is how people are always like, oh, it like gives you a taste for sweetness and you end up like eating bad food. There's just so many like shredded bodybuilders that drink so much of these drinks and get down to 3% body fat. Yeah. One thing is for sure is you just don't get fat from them. I think there's a lot of, I, I think there's, there's a lot of misinformation about the dangers of artificial sweeteners. And from what I understand from guys like Lane Norton, it's been mostly disproved. Yeah. There is no evidence showing that they're actually dangerous to our health. Or like at best, I think there's some people that do bad with um, aspartamine, the yeah. one that's in Coke, Diet Coke, but it's just because some people can't uh, do, do really badly with it doesn't mean it's for everyone. Yeah. You could say, you could say the same about nuts. I'll do another death from nuts. How are you still eating them? like well i'm fine with nuts yeah i would just say my caution with artificial sweeteners is that i think it just builds potentially bad habits around always looking for zero calorie foods where it's like i think it's great in the way that raf will use it he'll go and have a drink with a meal once a day and he'll like have a coke zero or whatever but the problem is is i see people abusing this system it's like all right let's get all these low calorie drinks and low calorie foods and like consume them have like four or five Coke Zeros a day. Yeah. Oh, don't worry, there's no calories. Like go and get no no sugar cordial and mm. just smash. Like all this stuff is dose dependent, right? A little bit of artificial sweetener every day, that's fine. A little bit of sugar every day, it's fine. Mm. A little bit of, you know, uh, chocolate every day, it's fine. Wine, whatever. But it's when you start ramping up the dose of a lot of these chemicals is, I mean, we don't have the data to say it's inherently dangerous, but just using your logic here, is it smart to have, you know, four or five servings of artificial sweetener all throughout the day and saying oh well but it's got no calories yeah i don't know i just don't think it's it's wise yeah and the, the other the vehicle that comes in has all these other bad things so like you're drinking coke zero like you're not drinking bad for water. your teeth yeah, yeah teeth are getting destroyed you're not yeah. drinking water 
the carbonation is bad for your teeth as well. So like you're just not doing anything good. Mm. So if you're doing that all day, it's like you're not having water. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, all right, still use it like a treat yeah. or something as like, you know, something nice to have, but still only using those quantities and just swap it out. But don't go, okay, because it is no sh- no sh- yeah. uh, no calories here, let's let's increase the amount of it. Because then you're just building bad habits, I think. Cool. Next question. Sweet. Uh, this last question from Brad Hoover. Uh, hi, gents. Long-time listener of the pod. I'm leading a team that is opening a new gym in Brooklyn in a few months. Do you have any recommendations for who we should work with to design slash host our website? Ideally, they offer some capabilities around CRM management software and also SEO. Well, Brad, welcome to uh, welcome to the game, as we like to call it, the gym game. Uh, you're in for a hell of a ride, that's for sure. We wish you the best of luck. Didn't put the name in the gym in, so I would have liked to uh, shout it out, but... Uh, maybe you can message us in. We'll talk about it another week. But yeah, like website, website is your first point of call. It's like your home base, digital presence. So you want to get it right. People that put more emphasis on the Instagram and less on the website, big mistake. The website's very important, right? The website is where you know, take people's money, but it's where people feel comfortable about putting their inquiry in, saying you're like, hey, yep, sounds really good. I would love to learn more about this. It doesn't starting to happen probably a little bit more on social media but really most people go to a website website is that trusted feel of like how does how does a how does this business feel you know what i mean like instagram gives you an indication but when you land on a website that gives you a feel of what this this place is like like i you could put it this way you could have a really banging website and an average social media and you'll do great you could have a banging social media and a terrible website you would struggle you would struggle so getting yeah definitely getting the website right is, is is important now linking in these few things S- crm and seo like they're kind of separate services we've never found anything that's like a holistic approach i don't think you would get something like that you probably want like a marketing agency at that point where they can do your your back-end crm which is for those of you who don't know crm it's just like client management based on the back end sending emails like managing lead flow and tagging clients and all this all this stuff that's just boring business stuff and then seo is just like optimizing your website to have keywords and search terms so that you shop when people are searching you know group fitness gym in booker new york you know your website is going to contain the words and and that that are going to uh affect how high you appear in that search and you want to appear number one one or two so that's a completely separate service and people charge a lot of money for that so you're not going to get that you're not going to really get that in a website uh, hosting service and then you've got services that do it yourself which is a little bit on the cheaper end like squarespace stuff like that that we use and they're great but you just need a really good designer you need someone who knows seo you need kind of people who can plug it all together so it's a little more skill sets to to do but i would encourage you to learn it i think it's actually a great skill set to learn because we've managed without any website hosting software like our entire business we've never had a website hosting service our website just doesn't really need it for what for what we need it for i don't think really gyms need a website hosting service it's kind of one of those it's one of those areas where it feels like ah too hard and i'm just going to park it and get someone else to do it pay someone else and just i think it causes a lot of issues because it's never how you want it it's actually not that hard of a skill set to learn i would say of all the internet-based skill sets from like design and video editing and photos and photoshop i'd say websites one of the easier ones to learn to get a good website CRM, pretty easy one to learn. You, you can connect MailChimp with Squarespace or MailChimp with Wix or whatever these, these things are called and it's pretty pretty easy, pretty straightforward. SEO is a little bit more complicated. You probably have to do a bit more research on it but it's not hard. It's not something you can learn, I'd say, if you dedicated a week to it. So, 
I reckon go and go and try it yourself first. And look, if you're just like really illiterate when it comes to this sort of stuff and, and you struggle and you hate it, then yeah, maybe worth hiring a website agency. But it will cost you. Yeah, and, and you just don't need something that complicated. I don't know what type of gym this is, but assuming it's not like a mega 7,000 person gym where they're, like, they're doing all this like members area on the website and shit and it's just a pretty normal website, you don't need a lot. You need a place where people go and they land and they become a conversion and you get their details so you can um, so you can obviously contact them. And the great thing about websites that makes it easy for a gym is you can just copy the gyms that you're trying to model yourself off, right? There's a lot of really good gyms out there. If this is your first gym, I would be down the route you know, of like copying know. other gyms. I don't know if it's a gym. I'm just reading this question again. Leading a team that is opening a new gym in Brooklyn. He might just be like the manager. Like the oh, yeah. 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 He's, yeah. He's just working with them yeah. to open the gym. Yeah. Um, so, I definitely think you can copy and you can copy other gyms that are successful and what they're doing for your website. And I don't think this should be one of the hugest time consuming factors in opening this gym because there's a lot of other stuff to do as well. Yeah. But equally, get it right. Get it right. Get it right. Get it right. Don't try and reinvent it yourself. Yeah. Um, all right. Cool. Well, that's it for this week. Yeah. Cool. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We've uh, released some pretty big pods last few weeks. So make sure you go check out the James Smith one if you've missed that. Uh, but as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. A lot of investments going in on YouTube, some big YouTube videos going up uh, the next few weeks, React videos that we've done, uh, interviews with upcoming guests and previous guests. So check out the YouTube channel. Go subscribe if you haven't yet. The My Muscle Project on YouTube. And we'll speak to you guys next week. Thank you, Project, for tuning in again to another episode of the My Muscle Project. Uh, we release an episode every single Monday. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, The My Muscle Project, to stay up to date with everything we're doing. And if you have some time, leave us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. And don't forget, we have a second show of the week, The After Show. So it's no longer a rest day on Thursdays. If you have any questions for Lachlan and I for that show, head to themymuscleproject.com forward slash The After Show. And if you ask a question, we'll, uh, we'll answer it on the show. Thanks again so much, Project, and we'll see you all next week.